Hi guys, KO here. Welcome to Turmeric and Tequila, where we are working to inspire positive, radical social evolution by uniting mission-driven humans. I'm so excited to welcome Miriam Shulman to the TNT mic. She is a super successful artist, author, podcaster, and coach. She encourages you to embrace your inner weirdo to go from passion to profit. This is an awesome, inspirational conversation on how to pivot, leaning back into your passion and your purpose to make that profit and live your dream life. Miriam tells how she connects to something larger, how to take the first steps, and how to even like price some of your work and some of the entrepreneurial advice to monetize those passion pieces right now. So lean into this conversation and see where you can level up. Be sure to check us out wherever you get your podcasts and look for the video on YouTube. Cheers. Welcome to Turmeric and Tequila with your host, Kristen Olson. Questioning a better way, one gracefully disruptive conversation at a time. Welcome to Turmeric and Tequila. I'm very excited today. We have got a fellow creative in the house. You know on Turmeric and Tequila this year, we are focusing, hyper-focusing on creativity, how that relates to the business world, but mostly our heart space because happier humans are quote unquote more successful, whatever success means to you. So it's it's a huge piece of the puzzle. So I'm really excited to welcome Miriam Shulman to the TNT mic. I'm gonna read her bio really quick, which you know, sometimes I do, sometimes I don't, but I'm intentionally doing it today because I love it and she covers a lot of bases. And then we're gonna jump right in and just flow. Uh, as you know how we do on TNT. So Marian Shulman is an artist, author, podcaster, and coach. She encourages you to embrace your inner weirdo to go from passion to profit. Miriam is the founder of The Inspiration Place, where she helps other artists learn how to profit from their passion or become better artists. She's helped thousands of artists around the world develop their skills, their, their skill sets, and create more time and freedom to do what they love. Her art and story have been featured in major publications, including Forbes, The New York Times, and What Women create as well as featured on nbc's parenthood and the amazon series hunters with al pacino shulman's book with harper collins leadership entrepreneur is a top seller and the inspiration place her podcast is in the top one percent of all podcasts and listened to in over a hundred countries without further ado miriam welcome to t and t how's it going today I'm so excited to be here, Ko. Thanks for inviting me. <laughs> yes, I, I'm pumped. Um, this is our first meeting, our first conversation. I love that so much. So our listeners know you are pulling up a seat to this coffee table chat with us. Um, and I think we're going to have a lot of like-minded, energetic, intentional humans reaching out. Uh, but tell us, I like to ask all my guests, tell us about young Miriam before we get into the details and the now and all the awesome stuff you have going on. Give us a vibe on checking back into your young self. Young Miriam, so confused. <laughs> I never want to go back in time. Oh, I hear so, right. Go back to high school. Never. Oh. Uh, <laughs> so I always wanted to be an artist, but I came from a single parent household. My father passed away when I was five and I, my, I have a Jewish mom. She thought I should be a doctor, a doctor's wife or anything else would be a, a disappointment. Yeah. So <laughs> that, so artist was not one of those boxes there. So I took the practical route after college. I had student loans to pay back. And I just said to myself, well, if the whole point is to make money, where did they make the most money? Yeah. So I went to Wall Street. Well, and you, but you, you followed the passion enough to major in art history. Am I right? 
I did. Um, I was initially an engineering major, but what happened was I took so many art classes. I had to change my major in order to graduate. So, <laughs> so universe early on was telling you like, Ooh, don't. Oh in. yeah. Yeah. I just wasn't listening. But what happened is after nine 11, I took that as a sign from a, the universe. I don't think people should wait for a catastrophic event like that. Yeah. However, that is what, you know, so when 9-11 happened, I said, I'm not going back to Wall Street. I got to figure this out. I wasn't completely convinced yet. I could be an artist. Like I started doing it on the side, but I was definitely not going back to Wall Street. And what's happened the past few years is people have taken the pandemic as like their reason to do something different, to make a shift. We've had millions of people walk away from their jobs. That's why they call it the great resignation. And many of them have gone to open Etsy shops. Etsy started off at the beginning of 2020 with 3 million sellers. And the last I checked, it was over 5 million sellers wow. on Etsy. So millions of people are choosing a more meaningful, more creative life. Absolutely. And I'm curious from your perspective, because I think it's so beautiful, the shift that we have, like our young people kind of questioning a better way. And I don't think they're so quick to chase the dollar, maybe so much as our generation was. And like, like you said, we had this practical mindset of like, we got to pay bills. Um, but I think our younger generation isn't chasing, you know, the big house, the car with the rims, all that, like they really do get happiness earlier on. But do you think that was because of these these big catastrophic shifts, 9-11, the pandemic have happened when they're younger? Um, or do you think that's just generationally happening because they saw us like kind of burn out and work and kind of have to learn a better way, the, the super hard way? Yeah, it, it could, it could, you know, I'm not sure like sociographic what's what's happening with that. I, I do know like with my own children that I gave them a very different message than I received. So the generation after us, I don't know how many parents are like me though. So my daughter pursued music. My son went to Israel. They're both following their passions. Yeah. I love that. It's, um, and I agree. I think it's, it's, you know, nurture and nature. We have a multitude of things going on. I just love how socially acceptable it's gotten to kind of get back to that young self. Cause like you're just saying, I think we do know a lot of our truths very young, just as we get older society, you know, leaders, parents, coaches, whatever, start to dilute that message because of their training. And so it's hard to get back to your young space. And then I, I'm assuming you've done, obviously, well, you're an entrepreneur, but like some business training or coaching, it's not really like intuitive to put creativity into the entrepreneurial space. Um, and that's a little bit counterintuitive, I feel like, for people my age and up. Tell me a little bit how you started to foster that, the creativity and that angle more into your business specifically. Yeah, well, here, here's the thing that every business person needs to know, and that is creativity is a survival strategy. It's about adapting. So when Darwin said, he did not say survival of the fittest. He said the survival of the one most willing to adapt. And that's what all that creativity is, is being able to adapt to what's changing. And Kao, I don't have to tell you like how much you've had to probably change how you market, how you show up. Everything's always changing. You know, a couple of years ago, yes. Social media was amazing. You can post stuff for free. Thousands of people see it. Now, less than 1% even engage with it. That's pathetic. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. I mean, when I started writing my book two years ago, I had um, the, the average engagement rate on Instagram was 1%. And when I went back to edit it, and this was in 2022, it had fallen to 0.6% was the average engagement rate. Wow. 
And for influencers, those people who say, I will teach you how to get more engagement. I don't mean to make fun of any woman, men do it too. But it's like, whoever's saying it, you know, I will, you know, pay me a thousand dollars, I'll teach you. So the average in influencer on Instagram, their engagement rate is slightly higher, but it's only 1.12%. So that means out of a thousand humans, for an influencer, only 12 people are engaging. Yeah. It's yeah. not worth it. It's, it's like a lot of work. Yeah. Well, it's, it's a tricky, like you said, the adaptability I think is so critical. And it's, if you look at kiddos, you know, they fall down the playground, they get up, they, then they you right. know, walk up the playground ladder different. Like you just, you're constantly learning and changing your steps as you get feedback from the world. But we get less good at that as we get older, cause we get so comfortable. And I think we've done a good amount of neuro just cause I'm a long time athlete that's banged up my body and my brain. Um, knowing that we get comfortable. So then, you know, things start to shut down and they start to get rusty. Um, I think it's phenomenal that you, after seeing some of these like really catastrophic things, and I talk about this a lot on the podcast of my varsity humans, it takes full breakdown breakthrough before we listen, because we're going to fix it. We're going to do it our way. We're going to do, and then it's like full hit. Um, but you know, later on in your journey, you adapted to what was going on in the environment, this catastrophic thing, and then you pivoted. Tell me a little bit specifically about how that pivot was. Cause I think the first step is the hardest and we have lots of entrepreneurs and creatives listening and we're, we're still not sure how to take that first step because it's, it's so unknown. What is next? Yeah. So what, so there's a couple of things I want to unpack that you said that are so important. So first of all, it, it you said, as we get older, our brains have evolved to keep us safe, not for goal achievement. Mm -hmm. So anytime we're going to do something that's a little uncomfortable. So unless, you know, you, there's a life and death situation and it's a survival strategy type of thing. Anytime our, we are uncomfortable, our brain will come up with all kinds of reasons why it's a terrible idea. And the smarter you are and the more creative you are, the better you are at coming up with those stories <laughs> to keep you safe. Um, so what happens you have a little bit of fear, you're going to have doubts or not excuses because they feel real to you. And that's what leads to not taking the action that you need to take on your dreams. But like, help me out. What was the, was, was the exact question? There was just something you said back there. I really wanted to to say that uh, well, about, I was really the curious about, about like, my the, story, like how the, I pivoted. Yeah, yeah. That first step, like, cause it's really hard yes. to have the breakdown, like, no, you That's need right. to do something, but how do we really take that first step action? Okay. So here's what, here's my story. So in the very beginning, I knew I wasn't going to go back to wall street. I wanted to be an artist, but I still didn't believe that that was possible. I mean, that was definitely ingrained in me, that limiting belief that this was not going to be something that was going to work. So the first thing I did was I took a job as a Pilates instructor and anyone who works in a gym knows that a big part of their business model are the upsells into personal training packages. So when I was getting th this training from the gym on how to sell personal training packages, how to nurture your customers and keep them coming back for more, all these things, I was like, oh, wait a minute, I can use all this to sell my portraits. So I understood that selling was a skill. So mm -hmm. that was the big pivot moment for me. And then it was more of a choice. I chose to believe that I could make a living once I had these skills on how to sell. 
So just like some, you, you have to believe if you want to have a fitter body, you have to believe that this is going to work. If you don't believe it's going to work, you're not going to want to lift those weights in the gym because it's too hard. Mm -hmm. Well then, okay. So you, so you knew that, I mean, so you came from these limited beliefs. It's hard. How did you flip on the switch to like, I believe enough to try this and take that step or did it's you just blindly do it? It's a choice. You really, yeah. the, people don't realize like how much, um, our mindset controls everything. I get a lot of pushback from the book. Like you don't talk about talent in here. What about talent? Yeah. How about just making good art? Yeah. Come on. Mindset and marketing Trump talent every time, no matter. And you know, this is a high performance athlete that uh, it, it, we all have seen people who are very talented, talented air quotes who flounder because mm -hmm. their mindset is crap or their marketing is terrible. And then we all see people who get to the top and like, I don't get it. Why are, what's, what's so great about her? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So um, it's definitely mindset is going to, and my, you can't even have good marketing if you don't have a good mindset. Yeah. Well, I've, you know, I've done a bunch of, um, coaching, I, like you, we've built out a course and like one thing has kind of organically led to another. And I think that's when you really know on path and when you're on path and I, not to simplify that because I'm sure there's, you know, many ebbs and flows and many failures along the way that lead to the success, but it's, it's hard to stay in it and believe it. And I think the key is in, you know, all the coaching and everything that I've had, you know, I think as women and maybe in, as men too, nowadays, you hear a lot about like, you're enough and you're, and this is enough. And for me, that was never really my narrative. It was more about what you're saying, the mindset of believing like a coach for me would have been more effective saying, I believe in you and I'm in this with you versus like, you're enough. And that kind of like package thing I think we're hearing a lot nowadays was there anything that you could give like a young person or somebody even that's just pivoting right now that could be like yeah. along the lines of you're enough I believe in you that kind of thing that was effective for you I think I think there's a third thing here and this was some a, a different thread I wanted to pick up earlier so I'm glad we're getting back to it and that is being willing to fail so you have to believe that ultimately you will succeed because then when you fall down, it makes it easier to get up and not give up. So it's like when a baby learns, learning to walk, as you said before, it's not like the mom says to them, I don't think this walking's going to work out for you. <laughs> right, right. Right, right. So, so many of us, we start something new. So you're talking about pivoting. We start something new and we want to know everything there is about it. Why? Because we don't want to fail. We want to know every little step and they go and people go into procrastinate learning mode and really what it is, is they don't want to fail. So going back to that talent thing, I had a different podcaster who said to me, um, you know, not, it wasn't just about talent. She says, yeah, but I'm not naturally creative. Don't you have to have something there? Cause if I tried it, I don't think I could do it. I was like, yeah, you, cause you can't do it the first time. You have to be willing to be bad before yeah. you get good. That is the number one secret to success. Be willing to be bad first because you will be bad at first. Right. Well, and again, like you said, as kiddos, we're, we're not, you don't know anything yet. So everything is like trial and fail, um, <clears throat> trial and error. Is there one like major failure that stands out to you? I have so many, especially as an athlete, not only failing for me, but like in front of audiences, but one that like really stuck with you that you are like so proud that you got up from. There's so many, like, how do I even choose? <laughs> uh, right. I mean, I even just when, like when you said major failure, I'm thinking about like when I was in fourth grade and I fell off my bike and I cracked my jaw, oh. but it's not like I gave up 
you know, biking. So I mean, there's, but even with, with business, there's a lot of times where I screw, screw things up. You just have to be willing to learn from it and then do it again. That, yeah. that is it. That is the, you know, if we can, you can take away all the techniques at all and just being willing to be bad first, but also tracking the success and seeing sometimes you are doing something. Well, maybe you are, maybe you're trying to do something that's not right. So if you think about if you're trying to work on, um, building, let's say bodybuilding and you're not doing them, the exercise, right. First of all, you could hurt yourself, but you're not going to, then you're not going to see the results. So you always do have to be open to, to the pivots as well, but it's about willing to be willing to, to try things. And I think the biggest difference between those who are successful and people who are unsuccessful is successful. People are willing to do things. Unsuccessful people aren't. Boom. I, I completely agree. Do you, when you're approaching things, I, I kind of as an athlete, like quitting was never really an option. Like I knew if I dropped the bar a thousand times or whatever was going on, no matter how bad it was, like I knew I was going to show up for practice the next day. Like it was just never in my mindset to be done with things. And I think that's helped me. I'm big advocate for life skills through sports, but through anything, art, theater, whatever your passion is. Um, do you think that mindset of quitting is not even an option? Do you think that helps um, kind of cushion the failure a little bit and like cushion the conversation of like, Oh, I'm just done with this. Like, that's not even an option. And like, just, yeah, well, that's, what, that's why I said, like, when I, when my 11 happened, I mean, at any point I could have said, I'm going to go back to a very high paying job on wall street. You know, I had like this resume, but I didn't give myself that option. Yeah. I was like, I want to make this work. And I just, I took, you know, whatever books I had to read, whatever courses I had to take, whatever I had to invest in, this is what is going to happen for me. And I'm talking to you today after 20 years of putting in those reps of being somebody in business. So this is not like an overnight success story. This is about a long-term success plan. And I agree with you, KO. It's about not giving yourself the option of quitting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if it's your passion, you get clear on that. We're big on core values here and you get clear on what you want. It's kind of like, it's not going away anyway. So you might as well surrender uh, to God, universe, Madonna, whatever you believe um, and, and go with it. And I, I want to unpack a little bit more, like you said, because like mindset and talent, I think that's a huge conversation, especially for leaders. We're focusing a lot on leaders uh, this year on the podcast of, you know, are you a talented leader? Are you born leader? Or, you know, is it there? Uh, like, are, are you training your mind to be a better leader? Tell me how you really progressed your mindset or where it started. Was it like energy and manifestation or was it guided coaching and like how you maintain that mindset through your trial and error? Um, so we're talking about like leadership, like team building. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. any of the above, I, I, we're talking about that specifically a lot on the podcast, but I think leadership in your family as a parent, leadership as a coach, leadership as, you know, just, I, I really believe everybody walking around is an influencer because people are drinking in our behavior and what's on our shirt and everything all the time. So there's a huge responsibility. So like just leadership in general. Okay. So I, I think a big common denominator, whether you're a, a team of one leading a mission or you're leading a team or your family, or you're creating art or you're creating a business is you have to have a strong point of view. Nobody wants to follow somebody who is wishy-washy about what they believe, who's, who's a people pleaser, who's in the middle. They want to know what you think, what you stand for, what your values are. Boom. What are, what are some of your top core values? Inclusivity. Like I didn't okay. even have to hesitate. Like when I wrote artpreneur, it was very important to me that I wrote a business book where people could see themselves. 
Because oh, I, I picked up so many business books when all you know over the past 20 years. And some of them, KO, you pick up from, from page one to the end, there's not a single woman in the whole book, let alone yeah. somebody of color. So uh, you know, even like you know, these business books and they have the title and then they have a quote an inspirational quote, like even the inspirational quotes, like can you could you put <laughs> Oprah in someplace? Like somebody, right, give right. me some, give me a bone, you know. <laughs> right. So I was very intentional when I wrote it that. Uh, you know, the quotes were diverse, the case studies were diverse, that, you know, every single aspect of it, male, female, black, white, gay, straight, Muslim, Jewish, every, every, like I, yeah. uh, all around, and I'm that way with, with everything, my, my team, my podcast, what I talk about, who I interact with. So inclusivity is, is probably one of my top values. Oh, well, God bless. I think that is so critical. And the beautiful thing, I think you just kind of so eloquently like uh, proved your point or reinforced it is um, mindset, trial and error. And then this idea of timing where we can do a lot, right? We kind of can have this plan. We can keep our mindset. We've got talent, all this. But also there's like a, a, an angle of like showing up, but things are on time. Like if you talk about inclusivity, diverse, diversity and inclusion right now, I mean, what a beautiful time. This is your heart space. And we are where we are in the world. You see all this uprising, which is way too late, but of diversity and inclusion and like, you know, some of these really major things happening that are kind of uplifting and upheeling all of our comfortable little spaces of what we used to think was okay. Now it's not, we've got to have representation and diversity of voices. And you felt this, this way this whole time. And now podcasts, like all these points of um, exposure are coming out and, and here you are in this message. Like how, tell me about like timing and what you feel like how there's kind of just this larger order in addition to mindset and talent. Yeah. And, and if we were to talk about, and you asked me before earlier to be vulnerable and share some of my mistakes. So I began my podcast in 2018. When I began it, I did have an eye on diversity and inclusion, uh, male, female, black, white, blah, blah, blah. And then I don't know what happened, but I just stopped paying attention to it. And on 2020, I looked back and I think it was like over a year had gone by and it was just white people. And it was because of the social justice movements that happened um, then that my eyes were open. And that's when I had to make an intentional commitment to diversity and inclusion and in everything that I did. Because if we don't pay attention, it's very easy to find ourselves just only surrounding ourselves with people who look and talk like us. Mm -hmm. So that was a misstep that I did have, um, that I corrected. So I, I was very much impacted by that. And I do live that not just in my business and my forward facing stuff, but even when I go to the, the bakery or the cosmetic store, I always ask people, what's your name? You know, when somebody's helping me, do you know how many mm -hmm. people say to me, Oh my gosh, no one's ever asked me my name before. Yeah. Yeah. Like people need to be seen. And that's what a big part of what that, what happened in 2020 is that people were saying is that they didn't feel seen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's huge. It's, it's these massive ripples and it's kind of like that trial and error. Like we're constantly evolving and we hold, hold a huge responsibility being podcasters. Cause once this is out there, it's out there forever. And I've said many times, I know I'm going to listen to this in 20 years and be like, Oh my God, did you say that? Like, did you, so you kind of got it. Like we have to know we're going to say the wrong thing. We're going to do the wrong thing, but it's that checking in and being like, Ooh, now I need to do better. Or now I need to shift this because times have changed. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so once your, once your eyes are been opened, then you can't not see. Yeah.
The other side of creativity that I really, really love, I, like you've always been a creative, I didn't have dreams of being an artist, but I loved fashions and fabric. I love music. I one day want to build a choir, which is kind of crazy because I'm an athlete. I have zero, <laughs> um, like in-depth music experience, but it's, it's in there somewhere. Uh, but what I love is all these creative paths are like a universal language. And there's such a unifying point for all these conversations, no pun intended, around diversity and inclusion or connecting or being seen. And there can be no conversation at all. Have you seen, um, I mean, do you think now that like in this day and age that art and creativity, I know creativity, but like art specifically is more important than ever to unify us? Oh, yes. So anytime there's an existential crisis, like World War II, the atomic bomb, and now the pandemic, art is what gives people meaning. It gives people meaning. So art matters very much, both in the consumption of the art, people to consume it, as well as the creation of the art, both of those things. And if you, you feel you don't have the skills to to paint or sing or be a creative person, you can consume art. It will still uplift you. So to make time to let other people's creativity and creativity be a part of your world, because art is what makes life living. Art gives our lives meaning. Uh, reality is nothing more than applied meaning. So when we see this, I, I always kind of try and tell my young people, like, don't worry, everything's made up. So if you want something different, just, you know, spin the narrative PR, what your mind, your thoughts are, and, and we can shift this in a better direction. Uh, but it's still kind of hard to get like my business people to lean into, like, do a sketch, go, go to a museum, do some of these things. What is some of like your pro tips where you can take some of these traditional entrepreneurial mindsets and shift them onto that creative path to not only save them, but make them a more positive influencer for those around them so we can shift this narrative towards creativity as a whole. Yeah. I mean, everybody has different types of creativity they consume. So whether it's picking up some poetry, like if, if you like Margaret Atwood, uh, you know, she's a very strong person who has affected a lot of people we're talking about um, the social justice movements. And yesterday was International Women's Day. And a lot of people were dressed like the Handmaiden Tale. Um, her collection of short stories, they're all bizarre. They will totally light you up. Um, she has poetry, same thing. So it could be book. It could be poetry. You could listen to an audible book. You can listen to music. So there's lots of different ways to experience art and give yourself more meaning it could it could be going to a museum or a gallery it could be that is there any way you can get like your people are like i'm not an artist i'm not this um <clears throat> to lean in to try something yeah so uh i there was a course that i i used to teach i mean it's still out there i just it's you know that i've had for a while called painting with words and i always encourage people to choose a word for the year did you choose a word for the year Kristen? i do we do an intentional thing we do like a new year's in uh, a new year's eve show with one of my long-running friends and we've had five shows of a year in preview a year in review and a year in preview and my word this year was um shoot i'm gonna i'm almost positive it's leadership um we're getting close to fridays of the week's long but i'm almost positive it's leadership and that kind of stuff so I, I'll, I won't carry on from there but yeah leadership okay so even if you just on 
your like doodle the word leadership, make bubble letters, fill it in with mat with different colored magic markers. One of the, the gifts that I have for people who order Artpreneur is I took every chapter title. It's a different mantra. The first chapter is choose to believe. The next one's break free the golden handcuffs, take the first step. Uh, et cetera, et cetera. Each one, I made an art journal page where I, where I show people how I would turn those words into word art. So word art is definitely one of the easiest ways to step into doing something creative without a lot of skills, without a lot of, as we call it, talent. Like you don't, you don't need to know how to draw a face. It's just, can you write the word? Can you put some color on it? Can you add some color, some tape, some sparkles? And I find that practice very meditative. So just like how those coloring books were so popular, but here you are meditating on your own words and your own ideas. It's super powerful. Yeah. I getting back into creativity, I was like a drawer group. I love, like I said, all things creative. So I'm, I'm getting back into like drawing and stuff. And there's always that resistance of like, God, I don't really have time. Like, you know, as entrepreneurs, we have a million things to do. There's always more, but like creating that space um, and just doing it and then seeing what happens. And the more I did it, the more I wanted to do it. Do you get a lot of that feedback? Yeah. So what I love about art journaling and creating word art is that you can fit like a small thing into your bag and your purse. And instead of looking at your phone, when you're in a waiting room, you can pull that out. So it should be something small that fits into your bag, a couple of pens. It's something you can do. Like I did most of my art journaling, uh, when my son was on the wrestling team. So he's 22 now, but anyone who's a wrestling mom, knows that you spend many long hours in the gym and to watch your kid for like two minutes. So like I, I would bring it there and I would just, um, you know, word of the day, word of the year, I would make lists, I'd make bubble letters, I would color it in. So it just really helped me a lot. And I had some of my best years of business, even though I was spending long hours watching my kid at the gym. <laughs> I love it. God bless all of our parents that are doing the sport practices, the Ubering, like all the things to like make that ship sail. Uh, okay. So now if we've got our creatives, they're embracing it, or maybe they've been a long time, a talented artist. Tell me how we're like monetizing our passion this is something I've struggled with personally, played lacrosse in college, started a business right away. And then, you know, music, po like podcasts, like monetizing your passion is really, really tricky space. Tell me like some really good tips on like entering into that space and shifting the mindset into that it's even possible. Okay. So there's really only five fundamentals, and this is true of every single business, no matter what you're doing. So whether you're an artist, a ceramicist, uh, a weight loss coach, it doesn't matter what you are. And the five fundamentals are production. What are you producing? Are those um, services? Are they lessons? Are they paintings? Are they sneakers? The next thing is, what are you pricing it at? Now, the biggest mistakes that I see people making come with those first two. Like we don't even have to talk about the rest of the three, but I'll tell you really quickly, it's prospecting, promotion, and productivity. So that rounds out all five. And what a lot of people do is they have the mindset. So back to mindset, they have the mindset cheaper is easier to sell. And then they don't do the basic math problem. The basic math problem is what is your capacity of what you can create each week, either create or offer. So if, you, if it's some sort of service, how many hours a week do you have for that times what you're selling it for? So if you're fully booked or fully sold out, what's that number? 
And Kayla, I can't even tell you how many times that number is so low. And I'll say to them, do you realize you're on the path to $18,000 a year? Yeah. Like or it negative. doesn't matter if I teach yeah. you to sell better because this math doesn't work. Right. right. It's not calculus. It's just this times this equals that, you know? So um, the law of attraction won't help you if you're not creating enough. Um, this was something you asked me before we hit record, like, are you into law of attraction? Oh, absolutely. And I remember having that aha moment. I think it was back in like 2015, my friend and I were on a retreat and we're saying, you know what? Um, her name is Blenda. You know what, Blenda, you know, if I sold everything right now, it's not going to give me the numbers I want. I So we were like doing manifestation and like, medit you know, doing all the things. Yeah. It's like, we have to create more. <laughs> Let's create more. And then we can manifest what we want. Well, and okay. So then you went straight to the, like the drawing board literally and started to create and go from there. Well, now it's going to be, depend for everybody what it is, but for, for me, it was like, okay, if I want to make $10,000, how can I do that? Is that 10 paintings times a thousand dollars? Is it two paintings that are $5,000 each? So you can do that as well. Is it you being whoever's listening, you know, yeah. is that, um, are, is that, are you building websites for somebody at $2,000 a pop? Are you, you know, what it, what is it that you're doing? How long does it take you to create it? Do you need to raise your prices? Do you need to change what you're offering? So sometimes my clients will come to me and they'll say, Oh, Miriam, the problem is I just don't have enough traffic. I don't have enough people. I was like, well, yeah. what, what is it that you're doing? And they're making like handmade greeting cards for $10 each. I was like, no, no, you need, you need like, 10,000 people. <laughs> it's yeah. not going to help you change what you're creating. Right. Uh, well, what would be your suggestion for that person that is doing greeting cards? Like, what would that be that next step to do it, to get her on the right path? Well, a lot of people think, and this is not just greeting card. So this is, this happens to a lot of visual artists in my space. They'll create something like a greeting card, a stick. There's a lot of things that go in this category, greeting cards, a stickers. Maybe they're putting their art on yoga pants. Maybe they're making t-shirts. So they think that it's going to be easier to sell these things because they're at a lower price point, but they're not taking into account that they have to do tremendous volume to make up for it. So they have to overcome that mindset of cheaper is easier to sell. And that they, if they put that artwork in the time that they're using onto, let's say a canvas that they can sell for 2000, 3000, 4000, if they're selling something at for $2,000, then you only need to sell 50 of them in a year to have a six figure business. So yeah. that's the shift a lot of my clients have to make is really understanding that there are customers out there getting over that mindset. Oh, she won't pay for that. There's no, there's nobody who will pay for that in my town or, uh, I, I, this is literally, I've heard this more than once. Uh, there's, there's not as many people in Australia as there are in the U S <laughs> I'm glad you're laughing. I'm like, there's like 30 million people in Australia. I think some of them will buy your art. So, yeah. um, there's so many, that's what we we're talking about in the beginning that when we're uncomfortable, we come up with these stories about why it won't work. You know, we're uncomfortable raising our prices. So we have all these stories that we, and we believe their stories. So you have to like undo that. And one of the ways to do this, so you're saying like, how do you start changing your mindset is really to clean up the language you're using. So you said earlier, people who say, maybe I don't have time. That's a terrible thing to say to yourself. Mm -hmm. You need to say to yourself, I choose not to spend my time that way. 
So start telling yourself the truth and then see what shifts for you. Sometimes that means you will make some time for it. We only have 24 hours in the day. That's the truth. And we have limited energy. So it's not true that if I gave you three more hours that you would be painting, you might be in front of Netflix if you're really exhausted, but tell yourself the truth. I choose not to. And the same thing with money. Don't say I can't afford it. Don't say it's too expensive. Say I choose not to invest my money that way. Tell yourself the truth. Boom. And I think it's funny how that truth in practicing truth in something like that will carry over into everything. And it just might change your relationships. It might change your work, your outlook on the weather. Like it's funny how one little thing will kind of shift everything. Um, have, have you seen that with like clients where it's kind of, they started to shift something and then you can see it. And like, then all of a sudden they're kind of like this different person with a different take on the world. Oh, 100%. That's what they tell me. Like at the yeah. end of the program, I was like, well, what, what was your biggest, you know, learning thing? And it, it's, it's not like, I mean, they, of course they learn all that stuff, but they say, I'm different as a person. I'm more yeah. confident on this. I mean, they're so excited about that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think you get to tap into your um, young self again. And like this idea of possibility and hope and change happens. And we don't really cling to that as adults. And then when you get that breath of fresh air, it's like you just you feel alive. Um, And I wanted to echo on what your statements around price point psychology, because I can't we work with a lot of startups, um, artists ish, but creatives for sure. But like clients where I'm like this takes you X amount of hours to create. We all have finite hours. And the psychology of price point, the more you pay for something, the more value you apply to it. Like that's what we are as innately as humans. Um, and there's a high end market for everyone. So like if a lot of the world can't afford it, there's that X percent that can, that's all you need. Like you don't need yeah. a billion customers. No. Uh, and people will say to me, oh, I don't want to, I want to make it affordable. I yeah. don't exclude people, but who says what's affordable and you're excluding people no matter what your price point is, because when you have a price point too low, there's people who won't even look at you. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, they won't take it seriously. No, they won't even look at you. So it's like the the analogy I go is like with the wine store. Um, my husband says, don't buy a $6 bottle of wine. He like will tell me it has to be X amount. <laughs> He's never going to say, oh, this $6 wine tastes so good. They should have priced yeah. it at $200. No one has ever said that ever. Right, right. right. And they actually have done research where they've done blind taste test. Blind taste Taste testing. (laughs) That's right. And they told people which one that this wine was more expensive. And they always rated the one that they were told was more expensive as tasting better, even though it actually, it was the same wine. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I, it's hard to do your pricing. I also say if people can't do it and I'm curious if you ever done this is you price it, but then like, let someone else tell you what they would pay for it without giving them a lot of information. Have you ever tried that? Yeah. So that's why the, the chapter about selling is called listen to understand. Okay. And I have a shortcut for that chapter. It's called, and I didn't, I didn't actually put this in the book, but this just between you and me Cliff notes, and and everyone is listening. Okay. (laughs) The one who talks the most loses. Yes. If you're doing most of the talking on the sales call, you are doing it wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, that's a lot of reps of sales though, to kind of get that. Cause you think you got to do more. That's right. That's right. And uh, we were talking about like the law of attraction. Here's, here's actually how it works. If you're someone who takes a long time to make up your mind and you're indecisive and you're uncomfortable at your pricing, you're not sure if you priced it right, you're indecisive. 
your customer will pick up on that energy. And so yeah. if you're getting a lot of, I'll think about it, two things are happening. Either you gave them too many choices or you're projecting that uncertainty and people do not like uncertainty. They, yeah. you know, we, we know that from the pandemic, they crave certainty. So you have to be not only have high prices, but be completely confident and certain that this is the right thing to do. So that's where that confidence and mindset really kick in. Absolutely. Uh, tell me how this actually kind of ties back into inclusivity as well. Cause I think we do have this, I'm with you. I'm very passionate about like giving back inclusivity, I think is critical. And it's just, it's more like soul fuel for, for my world and my experience. And I had to wrap my mindset of like charging X. So even if, if not everyone can afford that in turn from that revenue, I can help others or, or make other things accessible. How did you kind of wind in your, your price point with inclusivity being at such a high core value? Yeah, I do give um, scholarships. I found that it's better though not to give a hundred percent scholarship because people don't value if they didn't pay for it. Right. So if I'm on a sales call with somebody and I understand that the price point is what's holding them, truly what's holding them back, and I haven't uncovered a different objection, and it's somebody who I want to work with because they have a lot of promise, I will give what I call talent scholarships. Um, I do know that people who uh, that you at certain price points, it it can be less less inclusive. So I want to make sure that I I'm as inclusive as possible. It's not something I advertise because then everybody would want it. But when I'm on a sales call with somebody and I feel that that's truly the reason that's holding them back, um, I will offer them a partial scholarship. I think that's great. And it's a perfect example of how price point psychology doesn't escape any of us, rich, poor, whatever, like it's inclusive. meaning that like, if you give the full scholarship, we are less inclined to connect. So it's that, that psychology is never without us. So as salespeople yeah. or business owners, you kind of have to really understand both sides. Even if you're trying to give it away, that's not always the best answer. No, either. it's not. Cause I have given away full scholarships and I found that they don't use it then. Right. Right. Cause so you don't apply value. So it didn't help them. <laughs> it didn't help them. And right. one of the things I also found early on with, with my online art classes, the first time I offered one of my, my portrait classes, I offered for $97. And then the next time I offered it for $197 without changing the class. And the response was so much better because they took it more seriously because they, and they finished it and they liked it. And the people who only paid $97, oh, I'll get to that. Yeah. They didn't do it. You just stay. Yes, that that class is now four ninety seven. <laughs> hey, you missed it then. Too late, everyone. Um, it's funny. I feel like they should almost put like a price point psychology on marriages. Maybe like if you spend more on the wedding, you're more inclined to stay committed. Oh, um, that's not true. We know that. <laughs> How many million dollar weddings? At, you're, well, you don't live right, in New York. Right. But I've gone to some million dollar weddings and I'm like, oh but, no. But maybe that, that's not a million, that maybe million dollars, that's like their 197. Like it's just not a big deal. So theirs needs to be like 10 million. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't know, but that's really hilarious. <laughs> it's a whole other podcast. Maybe we'll dig that's into right. that another time. Um, I don't know that art will save those humans, but um, it's just funny how like the, 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 the emphasis we put on money and value and like the more you pay for something uh the more we're just inclined to connect with it and take it seriously so it's all the more reason that you should charge more so people then spend more time energy and connection um with what you're doing and it's hours out of your life yeah so it's like uh, do you talk about money being energy <laughs> Yeah. So it, it is, it is energy. And that then the more you put out in the word, the more that the money will flow to you. So 
you, you know, by giving value, you know, you and I are doing this for free right now. And yeah. we know that the energy that we're putting out to you will come back to us. Maybe not the person listening. Maybe somebody will go tell their friend, Hey, I listened to this art business coach and they tell them about my book. Who knows, but it will come back. I think so. They'll go like, Oh, we were listening to these two awesome women. They said, don't it's spend a lot on your wedding. <laughs> Badasses. <laughs> Oh, I, I, did you spend a lot on your wedding? No, I'm not married. And, oh, okay. and coming from the, the business side, like th this is a whole other podcast, but the commercialization and the consumerism around a lot of, I'm not jaded on any of these things, but no, I, I see spent how, as little as possible. Yeah. My wedding, first of all, cause I mentioned in the beginning, I didn't have daddy to help me out there. Yeah, I had a exactly. single mom. So it, <laughs> I was like, I was young and it was up to me. So um, and I didn't, I didn't see the ROI on it. It was like, here's your, here's your chicken dinner. And yeah, I will put some uh, potted flowers on the table. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for coming. I, you know? I would do the music and the party and everything else. Like I wouldn't, I don't really apply value to any of those things, No, um, but it's not, it's not, it's not necessary. And I also don't think if I spend a bunch on it, it would make me feel more committed. I think other no, values. It doesn't. <laughs> you know, I, I can, I can promise you there's people very fancy weddings who are no longer married. So. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah. Um, well, and, and on the note of energy, I'm really curious of this. Cause I think I've had, I say God, universal Madonna, whatever you believe to me, it's all kind of similar. It's just packaged different ways. So we're here for it all. At what point in your life did you grow up spiritual or religious? Like when did this shift to kind of connecting to mindset energy um, happen for you? And when did that kind of start to guide the journey? Because I think that's a huge player in the game. Yeah. Okay. So this is, this isn't a lifelong understanding, meaning that I haven't always felt this way. It took me this, I'm 54 years old. It took me to this point to fully understand how yeah. I feel about God. So I grew up thinking about God as a, as a male figure, this man in the sky. And I just didn't believe in that. So now I've been studying Kabbalah and listening to rabbis and that, that have a different perspective on God. And so the fear, is this okay to talk about? Like what absolutely. Fear oh, yeah. of God? Okay. Yeah, absolutely. So Lean if in. you think of like this big circle that's up in the sky, that's God. And we're these little dots down here. That's a very difficult concept to, to get a hold on the way I, I see it. I don't know if you're watching me on YouTube or if you're listening, I'm holding my arms out. This is the big circle and the big circle is God. We're the dots inside of the big circle. That's how I, I see it. God. Or if you want to call it the universe or the divine or Jesus or Allah or however you see it, yeah. that is how I see the force in the universe is that we are all part of that. I love We're it. all included in that. Okay. Um, this is going to sound so basic, but this is... Kabbalah, Kabbalah. I'm probably saying it the wrong way. Yeah, it doesn't matter because it's okay. Yeah. That was like the Either red way. string the celebrities were wearing around their wrists that got really popular, like Demi Moore Ashton era. You know, I don't know that. <laughs> I'm diluting a, a much deeper point with pop culture. But, anyways, <laughs> um, I love that and I identify that because I've always felt connection to something larger. And I actually welcome these perspectives on the podcast because I think even if people agree or disagree, it's so awesome to hear someone else's digestion of their truth. And it might apply, it might not, but it's great to know how people think, whether you agree or disagree. So, I really appreciate you sharing that. And, like you, I've always had this really hard time identifying with this one man that is one thing that helps everyone like it just didn't make sense but I do love universe energy and us being in this circle um and we are within like that deeply resonates with me yeah um 
So I, and, I, then, I, and then the other thing I like to think about is it's hard to make sense of the world, especially, you know, it's a five year losing your father at five. That's, that's like, not just sad. It's tragic. Right. So, you know, like that's why when I was younger, I didn't really believe in God, what God would do that. But the thing about life, it's um, kind of like looking at, I'm trying to decide which, which analogy is going to work best right now. It's like looking at a painting and you get really close up and you just see like a stroke. It doesn't make sense. So like something happens to you in the world. It doesn't make sense because you're too close to it. So you have to keep backing up, backing up, backing up and seeing the big picture. Things start to make more sense. So now having the perspective of, you know, I'm 54 years old, I could never choose not to have lost my father because mm -hmm. every single thing that makes me Miriam Shulman is because of that. Yeah. I, I would be a completely different person. So to reject my past, to reject anything that's happened to me and anything that was not positive that happened along the way would be a rejection of myself because all these things have made me who I am right now. Oh, wow. And that's radical acceptance. And that's truly admirable. Exactly. Radical acceptance yeah. of everything in your life. It's like, this is, this is what it is. How do we know this is the it, not to argue with the truth. Mm. Ooh, that's hard. Um, do you feel like art saved your life? Mm. I say that art is my life. Okay. Yeah. I love that. And what a beautiful thing that you, we talk about business and monetizing all that, but the reality is you get to spend your days doing your purpose and walking in that and work, walking with like-minded humans. Um, I, I'm guessing every person you get a guide coach work, walk alongside has changed your life for the better in so many ways. Um, is there one example that stands out or one experience that's like, you knew like this was such a clear signal that you're on path and you're doing what you're supposed to be doing? Um, yeah, every, you know, every success story of my clients makes me under know that I'm living my life purpose. Uh, but it was also everything else along the way too. you know, when I was just creating portraits and those portraits went into somebody's home and that became part of their legacy. Yeah. But if I, are we wrapping up? Cause if I could end with just one thing, Absolutely. I would say yeah. to live your life as if it were a work of art. And that is a quote by Abraham Joshua Heschel live your life as if it were a work of art. I love it. Um, what, what, what do you think you'd be looking at if you're like, if you could look at your life as, as that work of art, what do you think you'd be looking at? You know, that is what helps me do these big, crazy, scary things, because I know that our time here is limited yeah. and I have that mortality motivation. And you said, well, like, what is it that causes you to take the first step? Cause we don't, we're going to, I just keep marching forward. Cause I don't know when it's going to end. Yeah. So every time, every day that I put in everything that I do, I don't want to leave. What ifs could have, would have, should have. I don't want to leave it. Le take that with me when I go, I, you know, I want to put that book out into the world. I want to put that art into the world. I want to put my program into the world to help as many people as I can with my knowledge I want to leave that out there. And it's because yeah. it's not about me. It's about everybody else and what impact I can leave when I'm gone. 
Amen. I identify strongly with what you're saying. Just being purposeful and having impact. I really do think as non-traditionally religious or whatever it is, um, however you package it, I think our life is about service and showing up with our gifts and giving um, whatever we can and and finding that path. And then through that journey, I think that's the joy of our life. Yeah. Yeah. Cause we're, it's like, we're, it's a big tree and you're a leaf on the same tree as my tree. Yeah. Like I'm yeah. a leaf on that tree. You're a leaf on that tree. Linda, who's listening is a leaf on the tree. You know, we're all <laughs> leaves on the leaves on the tree, same tree. Yes. yes. Um, can I just, I feel compelled to say this to you, but I just want to put this challenge or I don't know something, however you package it. It's I'm so curious at a point when you do art, I would love to see what your life looks like as art thus far. I, I don't even know if that makes sense, but I just feel compelled to tell you that if you've already done it or if you do it, I would love to see it at some point. Oh my goodness. I'm not even sure what that means. So like what I, know. My life would <laughs> I mean, I think just like if you could paint a picture of what your life is, like if I, for some reason I'm seeing like, if I was to paint mine, it'd be like messy and swirly, but like neon and sunshiny. And I don't know of just the journey thus far. So I don't know if this makes sense at all, but I feel compelled to throw it out there. Well, it, it does. Uh, the way you put it just now, it does make sense. So I did for most of the 20 years that I was working as an artist, I painted realistic portraiture. And for the that, past yeah. few years, I'm painting things like this that you see behind me. I, I like all the chaos in the world, all this emotion that I'm having. I, yeah. It's just like, it's like, ah, you know, it's like have this feeling that I just want to put that out there. Will I go? That doesn't mean I won't go back to painting the way I did before, but I have been creating a lot from out of the chaos. I love it. I think the us not having to make it make sense is kind of like the beauty of it. Yeah. I mean, art is not neutral. I know it means yeah. something, even if we didn't write out, this means blah, 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 blah. You know, right. like you don't have to always spell things out. Right. You can trust, trust the people who are looking <laughs> at it to understand, to get something from it. Yes. Well, I love it. I love the energy. I love the passion. I love that you're a leader walking in this world, not only preaching it, but walking it and leading it as you actually do it as an authentic example. I think that's how we change this world into a more positive, accepting, inclusive space. Um, go check out Entrepreneur. I think you've got major messages and I, it, it'll message and, and hit home to everyone, whether you're doing traditional painting art or like she said, you're a dancer or a person in sales. It all kind of aligns back to these similar processes. Miriam, hit us with websites, socials, wherever we can get a hold of you and, and connect. Okay, so I'll leave two things with you. One, if you like what you heard today, come find me on the Inspiration Place podcast. These are the kind of conversations I have. It's about mar marketing and mindset. It's not just for visual artists. And if you want to take a taste of my book, I would love to give you the first chapter for free. So the first chapter is choose to believe. Go to shulmanart.com forward slash believe. And Shulman is spelled like school. So S-C-H-U-L-M-A-N-A-R-T. Shulmanart.com forward slash believe. Boom. There you go. Go check it out. And I have to say, because it's Women's History Month, it was International Women's Day yesterday. And I've seen on your social media and, and through your messaging of how this mindset of abundance and letting go of competition, women supporting women. I have to give you a nod as a fellow strong woman and, and, and your inclusivity towards women. It's such a big deal. And we are rewriting this narrative of competitive competitiveness and comparison. So I, I just wanted to note that I've seen it in your social media. I see it in your message. And I, I really think it makes all the difference in the world. Well, thank you so much. Yes. We'll, we'll check in soon. I'd love to hear maybe like in a year um, to see how the book and everything goes. Yeah. All right. Thank you, Miriam. Thanks for having me. 
Thank you for joining Turmeric and Tequila with your host, Kristen Olson. Tune in next time and don't forget to subscribe on Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen.